Hi, and welcome to Sleep Tight Relax. A short message for grown-ups. If you get value from our stories, please consider subscribing to Sleep Tight Premium. It's a bit like having a library full of bedtime stories at your fingertips. Along with sleep sounds, guided meditations, and music for sleep, we help you make sleep time easier and hopefully bring joy and calm to your children. Visit sleeptightpremium.com to subscribe. A link can also be found in our show notes. Thank you. Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Sleep Tight Relax, the podcast where we help you prepare to drift calmly off to sleep by listening to the calming sounds of nature, soothing music, and rich sleep stories. Since coming back from a short break, we've relaxed to the sounds of a beach and the sounds of rain, helped focus our mind through music, Listen to a sleep story, and like every episode, we've settled down with some deep breathing exercises. In this episode, Cheryl is back with another sleep story called A Message from Africa. It's a wonderful adventure story from Dr. Doolittle, which she has adapted ever so slightly while retaining the language and values of the time it was written. If you enjoy shorter sleep stories, you might consider subscribing to our other podcast, Sleep Tight Stories. The link is in our show notes, or you can search for Sleep Tight Stories wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we continue, let's first make sure you have a suitable environment for comfort. So, take a moment to get yourself situated. You can be sitting with your hands on your knees. If you would like to lie down, then then please do. If you are ready for sleep, then you might try to ensure that your bedroom is as dark quiet and cool as possible. Now is the time to position your pillows or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Take your time.
close your eyes and take a deep breath in and out. In and then out. Our minds are always making thoughts, thinking of one thing or thinking of another, and that's okay. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming, which can make it difficult to focus and, and relax. Instead of trying to stop these thoughts, there is the option to focus on something else, something outside of your experience, a story, some relaxing music, nature sounds, or the sound of someone's voice. It's important to focus on the moment, on the sound and, and on your breath. For now, leave the past in the past. Now, take another deep breath in and let the air out. How is your breathing? Is it deep and relaxed? There's no good or bad, wrong or right, just your breath. Take another breath in, filling your body, starting from the bottom of your belly, and allow your breathing to relax you as you let the air out. Breathe in gently, and as you breathe out, let the air carry any tension out of your body. Continue to breathe slowly and gently. Take your time and slow your breath. A message from Africa. That winter was a very... Continue your deep breathing and one night as long December, as you feel necessary. We were all sitting around the warm fire in the kitchen, and the doctor was I hope you enjoy this episode's he had written himself sleep story. Language. The owl, Tutu, suddenly said, Shh, what's that noise outside? They all listened, and presently they heard the sound of someone running. Then... The door flew open, and the monkey, Chi-Chi, ran in, badly out of breath. Doctor, he cried, I've just had a message from a cousin of mine in Africa. There is a terrible sickness among the monkeys out there. They are all catching it, 
and they are dying in hundreds. They have heard of you and beg you to come to Africa to stop the sickness. Who brought the message? Asked the doctor, taking off his glasses and laying down his book. A swallow, said Chi-Chi. She is outside on the rain butt. Bring her in by the fire, said the doctor. She must be perished with the cold. The swallows flew south six weeks ago. So the swallow was brought in, all huddled and shivering. And although she was a little afraid at first, she soon got warmed up and sat on the edge of the mantelpiece and began to talk. When she finished, the doctor said, I would gladly go to Africa, especially in this bitter weather. But I'm afraid we haven't enough money to buy the tickets. Get me the money box, Chi-Chi. So the monkey climbed up and got it off the top shelf of the dresser. There was nothing in it. Not a single penny. I felt sure there was a two pence left, said the doctor. There was, said the owl but you spent it on a rattle for that badger's baby when he was teething. Did I? said the doctor. Dear me, dear me, what a nuisance money is, to be sure. Well, never mind. Perhaps if I go down to the seaside, I shall be able to borrow a boat that will take us to Africa. I knew a seaman once who brought his baby to me with measles. Maybe he'll lend us his boat. The baby got well. So early the next morning, the doctor went down to the seashore. And when he came back, he told the animals it was all right. The sailor was going to lend them the boat. Then the crocodile and the monkey and the parrot were very glad and began to sing because they were going back to Africa, their real home. And the doctor said, I shall only be able to take you three with Jip the dog, Dab Dab the duck, Gub Gub the pig, and the owl Tutu. The rest of the animals will have to go back and live in the fields where they were born until we come home again. But as most of them sleep through the winter, they won't mind that. And besides, it wouldn't be good for them to go to Africa. So then the parrot, who had been on long sea voyages before, began telling the doctor, all the things he would have to take with him on the ship. You must have plenty of pilot bread, she said. Hardtack, they call it. And you must have beef in cans and an anchor. I expect the ship will have its own anchor, said the doctor. Well, make sure, said Polynesia, because it's very important. You can't stop if you haven't got an anchor and you'll need a bell. What's that for? asked the doctor. To tell the time by, said the parrot. 
you go and ring it every half hour and then you'd always know what time it is and bring a whole lot of rope. It always comes in handy on voyages. Then they began to wonder where they were going to get the money from to buy all the things they needed. Oh, bother, money again, cried the doctor. Goodness, I shall be glad to get to Africa where we don't have to have any. I will go and ask the grocer if he will wait for his money until I get back. Mm, no, I'll send the sailor to ask him. So the sailor went to see the grocer and presently he came back with all the things they wanted. Then the animals packed up and after they had turned off the water so the pipes wouldn't freeze and put up the shutters, they closed the house and gave the key to the old horse who lived in the stable. And when they had seen that there was plenty of hay in the loft to last the horse through the winter, they carried all their luggage down to the seashore and got on to the boat. The sailor was there to see him off, and he bought a large suet pudding as a present for the doctor because he said he had been told you couldn't get suet puddings in foreign parts. As soon as they were on the ship, Gub-Gub the pig asked where the beds were, for it was four o'clock in the afternoon, and he wanted his nap. So Polynesia took him downstairs into the inside of the ship and showed him the beds, set all on top of one another like bookshelves, against a wall. Why, that isn't a bed, cried Gub-Gub. That's a shelf. Beds are always like that on ships, said the parrot. It isn't a shelf. Climb up into it and go to sleep. That's what you call a bunk. I don't think I'll go to bed yet, said Gub-Gub. I'm too excited. I want to go upstairs again and see them start. Well, this is your first trip said Polynesia. We'll get used to the life after a while. And she went back up the stairs of the ship, humming a song to herself. They were just going to start on their journey when the doctor said he would have to go back and ask the sailor the way to Africa. Swallow said she had been to that country many times and would show them how to get there. So the doctor told Chi-Chi to pull up the anchor and the voyage began. Now for six whole weeks, they went sailing on and on over the rolling sea following the swallow who flew before the ship to show them the way. At night, she carried a tiny lantern so they should not miss her in the dark. And the people on the other ships that passed said that the light must be a shooting star. As they sailed further and further into the south, it got warmer 
and warmer. Polynesia, Chi-Chi, and the crocodile enjoyed the hot sun to no end. They ran about laughing and looking over the side of the ship to see if they could see Africa yet. The pig and the dog and the owl tutu could do nothing in such weather. But sit at the end of the ship in the shade of a big barrel with their tongues hanging out, drinking lemonade. Dab Dab the duck managed to keep herself cool by jumping into the sea and swimming behind the ship. And every once in a while when the top of her head got too hot, she would dive under the ship and come up on the other side. In this way, too, she used to catch herrings on Tuesdays and Fridays when everybody on the boat ate fish to make the beef last long. When they got near to the equator, they saw some flying fish coming toward them. And the fish asked the parrot if this was Dr. Doolittle's ship. When she told them it was, they said they were glad because the monkeys in Africa were getting worried that he would never come. Polynesia asked them how many miles they had yet to go, and the flying fish said it was only 55 miles now to the coast of Africa. And another time, a whole school of porpoises came dancing through the waves, and they too asked Polynesia if this was the ship of the famous doctor. And when they heard it was, they asked the parrot if the doctor wanted anything for his journey. And Polynesia said, yes, we have run short of onions. There is an island not far from here, said the porpoises, where the wild onions grow tall and strong. Keep straight on. We will get some and catch up to you. So the porpoises dashed away through the sea and very soon the parrot saw them again, coming up behind, dragging the onions through the waves in big nets made of seaweed. The next evening, as the sun was going down, the doctor said, get me the telescope, Chi-Chi. Our journey is nearly ended. Very soon we should be able to see the shores of Africa. about half an hour later, sure enough, they thought that they could see something in front that might be land. But it began to get darker and darker, and they couldn't be sure. Then a great storm came up with thunder and lightning. The wind howled, the rain came down in torrents, and the waves got so high, they splashed right over the boat. Presently, there was a big bang. The ship stopped and rolled over on its side. What's happened? Asked the doctor, 
coming up from downstairs. I'm not sure, said the parrot, but I think we're shipwrecked. Tell the duck to get out here and see. So Dab Dab dived right down under the waves. No place like home. The others noticed she had tears in her eyes. She was so pleased to see her country once again. Then the doctor missed his high hat, for it had been blown into the sea during the storm. So Dab Dab went out to look for it. And soon she saw it a long way off floating on the water like a toy boat. When she flew down to get it, she found one of the white mice, very frightened, sitting inside it. What are you doing here? asked the duck. You were told to stay behind in Puddleby. I didn't want to be left behind, said the mouse. I wanted to see what Africa was like. I have relatives there. So I hid in the baggage and was brought onto the ship with the hardtack. When the ship sank, I was terribly frightened because I cannot swim far. I swam as long as I could, but I soon got all exhausted and thought I was going to sink. And then, just at that moment, the old man's hat came floating by, and I got into it because I did not want to be drowned. So the duck took up the hat with the mouse in it and brought it to the doctor on the shore. And they all gathered around to have a look. That's what you call a stowaway, said the parrot. Presently, when they were looking for a place in the trunk where the white mouse could travel comfortably, the monkey Chi-Chi suddenly said, Shh, I hear footsteps in the jungle. 
They all stopped talking and listened. And soon a man came down out of the woods and asked them what they were doing there. My name is John Doolittle, MD, said the doctor. I have been asked to come to Africa to cure the monkeys who are sick. You must all come before the king, said the man. What king? asked the doctor, who didn't want to waste any time. The king of Jolly Geninki, the man answered. All these lands belong to him, and all strangers must be brought before him. Follow me. So they gathered up their baggage and went off, following the man through the jungle. When they had gone a little way through the thick forest, they came to a wide, clear space, and they saw the king's palace, which was made of mud. This was where the king lived with his queen, Ermintrude, and their son, Prince Bumpo. The prince was away fishing for salmon in the river, but the king and queen were sitting under an umbrella before the palace door, and Queen Ermintrude was asleep. When the doctor had come up to the palace, the king asked him his business, and the doctor told him why he had come to Africa. You may not travel through my lands, said the king. Many years ago, a man came to these shores, and I was very kind to him. But after he had dug holes in the ground to get the gold and took the ivory tusks from all the elephants, he went away secretly in his ship without so much as saying thank you. Never again shall strange men travel through my lands. Take away this medicine man with all his animals, and lock them up in my strongest prison. So six of the men led the doctor and all his pets away and shut them up in a stone dungeon. The dungeon had only one little window, high up in the wall with bars on it, and the door was strong and thick. Then they all grew very sad, and Gub-Gub the pig began to cry. But Chi-Chi said he would scold him if he didn't stop that horrible noise, and so he kept quiet. Are we all here? asked the doctor, after he got used to the dim light. Yes, I think so, said the duck, and started to count them. Where's Polynesia? asked the crocodile. She isn't here. Are you sure, said the doctor? Look again. Polynesia, Polynesia, where are you? I suppose she escaped, grumbled the crocodile. Well, that's just like her. Snuck off into the jungle as soon as her friends got into trouble. I'm not that kind of bird, said the parrot climbing out of the pocket in the tail of the doctor's coat. You see, I am small enough to get through the bars of that window, and I was afraid they would put me in a cage instead. 
So while the king was busy talking, I hid in the doctor's pocket, and here I am. That's what you call a ruse, she said, soothing down her feathers with her beak. Good gracious, cried the doctor. You're lucky I didn't sit on you. Now listen, said Polynesia. Tonight, as soon as it gets dark, I'm going to creep through the bars of that window and fly over to the palace. And then, you'll see, I'll soon find a way to make the king let us all out of prison. Oh, what can you do, said Gub-Gub, turning up his nose and beginning to cry again. You're only a bird. Quite true, said the parrot. But do not forget that although I am only a bird, I can talk like a man, and I know these people. So that night, when the moon was shining through the palm trees, and all the king's men were asleep, the parrot slipped out through the bars of the prison and flew over to the palace. The pantry window had been broken by a tennis ball the week before, and Polynesia popped in through the hole in the glass. She heard Prince Bumpo snoring in his bedroom at the back of the palace. Then she tiptoed up the stairs till she came to the king's bedroom. She opened the door gently and peeped in. The queen was away at a dance that night at her cousin's, but the king was in bed fast asleep. Polynesia crept in very softly and got under the bed. Then she coughed, <coughs> just the way Dr. Doolittle used to cough. Polynesia could mimic anyone. The king opened his eyes and said sleepily, Is that you, Armatrude? Thought it was the queen had come back from the dance. Then the parrot coughed again, <coughs> loud like a man. And the king sat up wide awake and said, Who's that? I am Dr. Doolittle, said the parrot, just the way the doctor would have said it. What are you doing in my bedroom? cried the king. How dare you get out of prison? Where are you? I don't see you. But the parrot just laughed, a long, deep, jolly laugh like the doctor's. <laughs> Stop laughing and come here at once so I can see you, said the king. Foolish king, answered Polynesia. Have you forgotten that you are talking to John Doolittle, M.D., the most wonderful man on earth? Of course you cannot see me. I have made myself invisible. There is nothing I cannot do. Now listen, I have come here tonight to warn you. If you don't let me and my animals travel through your kingdom, I will make you and all your people sick like the monkeys. Or I can make people well, and I can make people ill, just by raising my little finger. Send your soldiers at once to open the dungeon door, or you shall have mumps before the morning sun has risen on your hills. Then the king began to tremble and was very much afraid. Doctor, he cried, it shall be as you say. Do not raise your little finger, please. And he jumped out of bed and ran to tell the soldiers to open the prison door. As soon as he was gone, Polynesia crept downstairs 
and left the palace by the pantry window. But the queen, who was just letting herself in at the back door with a latch key, saw the parrot getting out through the broken glass. And when the king came back to bed, she told him what she had seen. Then the king understood that he had been tricked, and he was dreadfully angry. He hurried back to the prison at once. But he was too late. The door stood open. The dungeon was empty. The doctor and all his animals were gone.